Hello film lovers, it's Megan Mealy and welcome back to the Feminist Film Club podcast. I hope you all had a fantastic week and thanks for tuning in again. So I thought I would fill you guys in a little bit as to what I've been up to this week. I have still been trying to get a job. I haven't really heard back from anyone yet, but it's fine. Everything's fine. I'm giving it another week because all of them said, please give us two weeks to get back to you or to not. And I hate when people don't get back to you. It's so annoying, like just sitting around waiting. Anyway, so to pass the time, I have been writing a lot. I finally just buckled down and started writing this feature I've had in my head for years. Who is it? Uh, Phoebe Walter-Bridge said, half of writing is procrastinating. And <laughs> she's so right. But the thing about me is once I start writing, I can't stop. So I was up until like 3 a.m. last night, but I finished the whole outline. I think 70 scenes about. And I'm also going to type it up because right now it's all written down and kind of jumbled. And I need to be organized before I start. Again, procrastinating. Do I need to type out the outline when it's all written? No, but am I going to? Yeah. So the reason I finally buckled down and started writing this script is because the Nickel Fellowship opened up at the Academy. It's quite expensive if you don't hand it in as like the early bird submission. I think it goes up from 50 to 60 to 90 dollars as you get farther into the application process and I hate, I mean I get that it's a business and you have to make money but so many people that are applying to these fellowships are uh, broke so I just don't understand why some of them are so expensive. And if you don't know what a fellowship is, it's basically a competition. It's not just for screenwriting. It can be for whatever you want it to be. And you submit, they pick, it's a different amount of people per competition, but for the Nickel Fellowship, it is five people. And then you get a year long of career advice and expertise from people around you with like meetings and all that jazz. You also have to complete a whole feature within the year that you're doing this fellowship. And if I'm correct, you also win $3,500, which I could use right now. So if you have a feature in mind and you want to submit it somewhere to hopefully get it made and get your name out there, applications are open now, so get those in. Some successful people that have won this fellowship are the people that wrote Aaron Brockovich with Julia Roberts and then Top Gun Maverick. So it's it's pretty promising. I know that Sundance also has a fellowship for writing, directing. I think there's even a women in film fellowship as well. Um, Screencraft has a great opportunity for a fellowship. They have TV pilot screenplay competitions. They have feature screenplay competitions, whatever is up your alley, I'm sure you can find. And the last one I'll mention is the fellowship for The Blacklist. And if you don't know what that is, it is a website where you can submit screenplays. But I think when you have a membership, you have to submit a certain amount a year, if I'm correct. And some screenplays that have been found on Blacklist are Whiplash by Damien Chazelle, uh, Don't Worry Darling was also on Blacklist. The scripts that are put on there are usually not pristine and perfect, but producers can go on, read them, and if they like them, buy them. And then they'll usually be given to more professional screenwriters to kind of rework. At least that's what I've heard in the past. And that is the reason why when Olivia Wilde found Don't Worry Darling, 
on the blacklist she and her business partner rewrote it usually when they're rewriting them it's not because they're bad at all it's because the concept is there and it's good it just needs a little help being executed which is nothing wrong with that i mean you're still getting your name out there and everything i could probably do a whole entire episode on the different kinds of fellowships that you can do so if that's something you guys want to learn about and are interested in it's definitely something i'd be open to researching so let me know so as for the entertainment news of this week i'm not even sure if this happened this week we got the beginnings of the cast for it ends with us and um yeah that that's an interesting that's an interesting choice i love blake lively i do but the character she's supposed to be playing is 23 and blake lively is 35 and i also just think blake is too cool to play lily bloom i think because blake is older i mean she's still absolutely gorgeous but she's more mature looking and she doesn't have that innocence that Lily needs to have and I definitely agree with all the comments that were on Colleen Hoover's TikTok saying that they should have saved Blake for Verity because that would have been insane if she played Verity and then we got Justin Baldoni playing Ryle and I love Justin Baldoni loved Jane the Virgin I was always team Raphael but again I think He's too nice guy to play this. I mean, maybe they can both surprise us, honestly, but I, after, especially after seeing Theo James on White Lotus this season play like such an asshole, <laughs> I really thought that would have been him. In my dream world, I would love to see Sam Claflin play Atlas, but we'll see. Updates to come on that one, I guess. As for all the drama going on with Andrea Riseborough's Oscar nomination? After much, much, much debate, the Academy has decided to let her keep her nomination. I mean, can you imagine being in her shoes and everyone being like, no, you don't deserve to be nominated. I mean, that must suck. People forget that this is like human beings that you're talking about. They're not just actors on a screen. Like this is a human being and she hears everything you're saying. And just because a movie doesn't have the popularity of the other ones nominated or all the money that the other ones had doesn't mean it wasn't good or that the actress can't be good. So I'm very happy that they let her keep her nomination. Okay, and the last thing I'll say in terms of entertainment news this week is the fact that Viola Davis just got freaking EGOT status. She just won a Grammy, which completed the Emmy, Tony, Oscar, Grammy that she needs. I mean, what a freaking accomplishment. How many people in the world have an EGOT? Let me look. Only 18 people in the history of all these award shows have won an EGOT. That is <laughs> insane. She might not have been nominated for Best Actress at the Oscars, but girl just won an EGOT. So props to you, Viola Davis. Amazing, amazing, amazing accomplishment. Okay, so now let us get into this week's topic, which is film set etiquette. Things I wish I knew my first time on a film set, how not to look like an idiot on your first day like I might have done. But these are all my observations all things I hope will help you as you venture onto a professional film set. Number one, the most important thing that I will probably say on every episode because it's that important is to be nice to everyone. People talk and sometimes this business and this world is smaller than it seems. And if word gets around that you're not playing nice with everyone, then you might not get hired. So just be nice. So the next thing we're gonna go over is positions on a set and what they do. So these are the most popular ones, the ones that I 
I've seen on almost every set I've been on. Sometimes there's more, sometimes there's less, depending on what you're shooting and what the budget is, but these are the basics. First up, you have your director, which everyone knows that term, but the director is in charge of all the visual and creative components of whatever production they are making. And the DP is the director of photography, sometimes known as a cinematographer. I think once you get more into your career with more experience, and the DP is kind of the technical side of the creativity. So the director will tell the DP what they want and the DP will tell them if they can do it logically. So there's a lot of them working together, trying to find a really pretty shot to execute what the director has in their head. The next person that you should know on a film set is the first assistant director. So they are in charge of making sure that the production stays on time and on track, making sure everyone's doing what they're supposed to be doing, and they're gonna be mostly on set. The second assistant director is gonna be in charge of all the paperwork and stuff, so they're more often than not always going to be at the production office. And it's always a treat when you get to see your second AD actually on set. I worked with a really nice one, the last set I worked on, and whenever she came to set, I was like, oh my God, you're here. Yeah, but we didn't, we didn't get to see her much. She was always locked up in the production office, but we always got our call sheets before like 10 p.m., so. That was nice. But in, but in pre-production, the first AD is going to work with the director to plan the filming schedule and work with all the other heads of the departments to make sure that they're running the smoothest set possible. So the first AD never stops working. Up day and night, it's a very hard job. So we've already talked about a DP, the director of photography, and under them is usually a first and second assistant camera. Uh, the first assistant camera is usually responsible for making sure the focus is in check. So while the for so while the DP is manning the camera, the first AC is going to be sitting at the monitor uh, with this little turntable thing, uh, making sure that the focus is in check and the second AC is usually in charge of the clapboard and switching lenses and stuff like that. The clapboard is actually fun to work. I did it as a PA once and I felt so important. You just stand up there and you say, well, let's say we're shooting the 20 scene. It's the first setup and the first take. We're gonna say scene 28 Apple, take one, and you're gonna clap it. And if you're far away from someone's face, you're gonna clap it loud. But if you're doing a close-up, you're gonna to wanna to do it really, really quietly, but enough that the sound will be able to hear the clap. But you just don't wanna be like slamming the clapper in someone's face if it's really close to them. So next up, you're gonna have a gaffer and they're in charge of all the lighting. And usually under them is gonna be a grip and a best boy. So the grip is gonna be the gaffer's right-hand man and the best boy is gonna be like their assistant most likely. I should probably know more about lighting, but I don't. They just go into this big truck and pull out things and put them up. So a set dresser is basically they're responsible for what the scene is actually going to look like visually. So they're gonna pick out furniture and rugs and props and anything that goes into making a set look normal. Like 
if they're shooting in a house, they're gonna make sure it looks lived in. If they're working in an office, they're gonna make sure it looks like people are actually working in it and not. So next we have an assistant producer. So they're gonna be responsible for helping the producer, all the things that the producer needs help with. And it's probably gonna be a lot of paperwork and running around to making sure everything's running smoothly. And the last assistant producer I worked with was also in charge of making sure all the files got from the camera onto a hard drive, which is a very, very stressful job because like if you mess that up, then all the footage is gone for the day. I would never be able to do it. And I remember once on a set I was working on when I was script souping, they were like, we need every single shot we just did for the day because we think we're missing stuff. And we had to sit there for a little while and make sure and go through all of my notes to make sure that we had all the shots that we needed for the day. And we did, they just ended up being all kind of wonky, but it was a little stressful for a minute. Hair and makeup, they're usually the funnest people to be with on a set, the funnest room to be in. <laughs> Next up is a script supervisor, which is one of my favorite jobs to work on a set. And they're in charge of the continuity and making sure all the props are replaced the way they need to be, making sure all Costumes look the same. So basically what I do is I write down the scene, the take, the kind of shot we're doing, like extreme close-up, medium shot, and then kind of a brief description of what the scene is. And then the camera roll, the sound roll, if any filters are on the camera. I can't think of any more off the top of my head, but you kind of do all that stuff while they're waiting to set up a shot. And then while they're actually doing it, as you get more into script souping, you figure out what you do and don't need to be writing down. And what my director mostly wanted to focus on was when the characters were entering and exiting the screen, just so it looked uniform in the edit. Next up is a sound mixer. It's a guy who's in charge of all the sound and he usually comes to set with a boom operator, but sometimes those are two in one and the sound mixer is the boom operator. Wardrobe is also pretty self-explanatory. I work closely with wardrobe sometimes when I'm script souping just to make sure that the costumes are continuous. Like say we're shooting scene 28 one day and then 29 the next day, but it's technically the same day. I just need to make sure that they're wearing the same costumes and the same accessories, blah, blah, blah. Crafty and catering is gonna keep the set going. They're in charge of all the food. They're usually really nice people <laughs> and Someone that's gonna help with Crafty is a PA, a production assistant. Someone who is gonna be doing all the dirty work, all the running around, all the printing of sides and call sheets and being the liaison between the AD and the rest of the crew. So some film terms every PA should know because some of them are really weird terms. <laughs> the first one is gonna be legs or sticks and that's a name for a tripod and people aren't gonna say tripod on set because they wanna use the cooler slang word. So legs or sticks means tripod. A hot brick is a walkie-talkie that's fully charged. A stinger is an extension cord. The clapper is the clapboard. I talked about it earlier, scene two, take one, blah, 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 clapper. A boom mic is the long sticky thing that the sound people are gonna use. Um, so blocking is the process of how a scene is going to unfold so the director will usually walk the dp through it so that they can figure out how to shoot it and then they're going to walk the actors through it and then they're going to shoot it it's a kind of a long process especially if the director doesn't really know what he wants to be especially if the director doesn't know what he she they wants to be doing so it's good if you can always kind of plan that out before another word you should know is strike which is what people should say every time they are turning on or off a light because they are very bright. Before they start rolling, the AD is gonna say camera and the DP is gonna say rolling. And then the AD is gonna say sound and the sound operator is gonna say speeding. And then they're gonna say action and that's when everyone's gonna start doing their thing. <laughs> 
Another thing that I love because I was finally got to be part of it as a group supervisor is Video Village. So it's basically where the monitor is located. So usually behind this is gonna be the script supervisor, the producers, the director, and they're all gonna be sitting in chairs watching. And if you're not supposed to be by the monitor, don't be by the monitor. If you don't have a reason to be by the monitor, don't do it because it's just gonna annoy people. I mean, it didn't annoy me. I really don't care who's standing around just as long as I could see the monitor as a script supervisor. But if it gets congested, sometimes it gets overwhelming. So some people don't like people who don't need to be there around. The shot that is the most fun is called the martini shot. So the martini shot is the final shot before wrapping set for the day. So the AD will probably call this and they're like martini shot and everyone gets really excited. And I think that's all the terms that you should know are the ones that I was confused about the first time I was on the set. So the production assistant is going to report usually to the first assistant director. The first AD is in charge of all the PAs, unless there's a key PA in which the AD will tell the key PA their business and the key PA can divvy it out between the rest of the production assistants. Um, the production assistants do all the dirty work and I think that everyone should have to be a production assistant before they can do anything higher just so they know how it feels because I have never sweat so much, been so sore, been so tired after a day of being a PA because you're just running around all day, all day. But it's also like a thrill. So don't let that scare you. I actually had a lot of fun my first time peeing and I wouldn't change it for the world. So next up, I'm going to try and teach you how to read a call sheet without actually showing you a call sheet. Normally all of them look like this. So if you're looking at a call sheet, you can maybe look up a sample one just so you can like kind of follow along with what I'm doing. Um, usually you're gonna get all your call sheets really late at night, which is gonna suck. There has to be a 12 hour turnaround, but you're gonna be up so late waiting for a call sheet to come in to make sure you know what time you have to be at work tomorrow. So you don't end up getting all the sleep you need unless you have a good second AD. Starting off, top left corner is gonna have all the names and contacts for the producer and the director, and usually a set phone, which was me once when I was a key PA, which was kind of stressful because people just kept calling me and I didn't really know what I was supposed to be telling them. Confidence, even if it was fake. <laughs> and then below that is gonna be the nearest hospital with all of the contact information, like the address and all that, all that jazz. In the middle of the sheet is going to be the production name, and then right below that is gonna be the call time. And usually that's gonna be crew call time, not cast call time. And the top right corner is gonna be lunch and dinner times, the weather, links to the addresses for shooting, because sometimes you need like coordinates <laughs> because you're shooting like in the woods or whatever, I don't know. But that's all gonna be there for you. And right below the contacts on the left side will be set notes. So it's gonna be like, it's gonna be cold today, wear a jacket, it's gonna be warm today, wear sunscreen. But usually there's a cute little one at the bottom and the last one I worked on was be excellent to each other, which I just loved seeing that every day, it never got old. So below that is gonna be a section that's gonna take up the whole page and it's gonna be the scenes you're shooting that day, the set and the description and the cast members. Um, the cast members are gonna be numbered and the pages from the script that you're gonna be shooting from. So you're gonna wanna keep the call sheet close to you if you're anything on a set, just to make sure you know exactly what's going on. So below that will be the cast names along with their call times, and usually they're gonna be later than crew call times. And cast usually reports right to hair and makeup when they get there. And below that is gonna be the full set of crew, all of their contacts, phone numbers, and all of their call times. And like I said, usually before the actors arrive, so we have time to set up so the actors aren't just waiting around doing nothing. 
So I was so confused the first time I looked at a call sheet. So I know it doesn't help that we're not both looking at one because I'm a visual learner, but I hope that kind of helped you out a little bit. And usually the call sheet is gonna be printed out and stapled to the front of sides for the day. So if you need one, you can usually ask a PA and they'll have them all printed out. Speaking of sides, if you're a PA, you're usually gonna be in charge of printing out all the pages that you're shooting, which is gonna be found on the call sheet. Let's say scene 28, and you're gonna go find every single page that has scene 28 on them. Some are gonna be longer than others. And if scene 28 starts in the middle of the page, you're gonna take a black Sharpie and X out the stuff that you're not shooting. Say you're shooting 28, 46, and 87 that day you're gonna make sure they're all stapled in order of what you're shooting. So you're also gonna need the call sheet. And all of the stuff is gonna be printed out on half pages so that you don't need to carry around like a huge piece of paper and you can just like stick it in your pocket if you need it. So <laughs> your mornings as a PA is usually going to be spent printing and cutting and stapling call sheets or a lot of your nights as a PA. I did it a lot at night just to get ahead of the day. Yeah, so if you have nothing to do, just start printing out sides and call sheets just to make it look like you're doing something. You're not just sitting around doing nothing. So when you get to set the first day, you're not just gonna wander in aimlessly and doing nothing, especially in times of COVID because it's still very strongly enforced on most sets. So you're gonna check in at the front, they're gonna take your temperature, they're gonna check you in, give you a mask, and then tell you where to go. The first day when you walk in, you're gonna try and find the AD. But as you're going, like, make sure you're introducing yourself to everyone, being like, hey, I'm Megan Mealy, I'm the PA for the day. And they're gonna be like, oh, hi, I'm so-and-so, I'm the gaffer. And you can be like, can you point me out to the first AD so I can make sure I know what I'm doing? Like something like that. Just don't walk in all awkwardly because you wanna be a presence in the room. You wanna show everyone that you're supposed to be there. Beginning of the day is PA. It's usually gonna be your first day on a set. You're gonna be helping bringing in props and equipment. Like I said earlier, printing out call sheets and stapling and cutting and everything. Making sure Crafty is fully stocked or helping set dressing, reset scenes between takes, such as like filling up glasses to help with continuity, which always helps out the script soup. Next thing I suggest, which I kind of alluded to earlier is start being social, like start making and building these new connections that will maybe help you get your next job. Don't wait for people to come and let you in. Don't wait for people to come up and introduce themselves to you, do it yourself. Show people you're assertive and you can mesh well with everyone on the set. And that's the hardest part, honestly, is introducing yourself to new people, but it's gonna be fine. You're gonna be, you're gonna be great at it, I promise. <laughs> you're there for a reason. You have to remember that, like be confident in yourself. You're supposed to be there. Even if you have to fake it because nobody's gonna know. But here's a pro tip, the fun people to hang around with are usually the hair and makeup and the gaffers. <laughs> so if you are looking for fast friends, those are usually the people who are going to let you in the quickest. Next thing is a big one. Don't complain because they can have you replaced with a snap of their fingers. And also don't shit talk your coworkers. Don't do it, at least while you're working with them because you don't want that to get back to you because that would be really awkward. Speaking of don't shit talk your coworkers, the mics pick up everything, everything. So if you're talking crap, they're probably gonna hear it, but <laughs> no, seriously, uh, they literally hear everything. If you're whispering during a take, if you're talking in another room, if you're trying to walk quietly, like they can hear everything and it's gonna ruin the take. So if they're rolling, don't speak. Don't do it. You don't want to be that person. Don't move. Don't sneeze until they get the shot because you don't want to be known as the person who's always messing up the sound because they can't stop talking. Another thing you should do, which I'm so bad at this, but learn names. Even if you have to like look at the call sheet and kind of connect them to what they're doing, 
and then to their names. But the easier you can do that, the easier it's gonna be to navigate the set, especially when you're working with walkies. So going off the walkie stuff, walkie talkies are a very essential part of a film set. Usually the first AD and the PAs and sometimes a producer is gonna be wearing them. The absolute first thing you should do as a PA when you get to set is find out where their walkies are and plug them in and plug in all the batteries just to make sure they're all constantly charging throughout the day. And I had no idea how to work them, but then learning names also helped using the walkies much easier. So here are some useful terms that I didn't know that I hope will help you. So if you're on the walkie and say you need someone and who's now, I'm gonna use my mom's name. You're gonna have an earpiece in, you're gonna click the walkie and you're gonna say Megan for Jess and you're gonna wait for them to answer you and they're gonna say go for Jess and you're gonna say what you need. So if you don't know people's names, you're gonna be kind of stuck if you need something. That's the same way if someone needs you, they're gonna say Jess for Megan and you're gonna say go for Megan and they're gonna tell you what they need and you're gonna say copy. You're gonna hear that word a lot on a film set, copy. Um, <laughs> so if you need to go to the bathroom, it's not even embarrassing at all because everyone has to do it. You're gonna say Megan, if you're going number one, you're gonna say Megan 10-1. <laughs> if you have to go number two, it's Megan 10-2. Like I said, everyone has to use it because everyone has to know if you're in the bathroom because no one wants to be disturbed in the bathroom. I take my walkie off and turn it off when I'm in the bathroom. So when you're actually rolling, the AD's job is to call rolling and cut over the walkie. And then it's the PA's job to quietly let everyone know who's not actually in the shooting room that they're rolling and to be quiet. And it's also your job as a PA to tell people to be quiet throughout takes if they're not. Don't be afraid to be like, shut up. But don't actually say shut up, but you know what I mean. I remember this one time I had to tell people that were in another room, like multiple times. I was like, we can hear you through the walls. Please stop talking. We all wanna go home, it's three in the morning. Just stop talking. So one of my roles, the first time I was a PA was taking lunch orders. So I went through the call sheet, wrote down everyone's names, and then I went to them and I asked them what they wanted to eat. And usually it was from a place that everyone could eat at. So making sure that vegetarians could eat, vegans could eat, people who were keto. So we usually ended up just doing a bunch of salads, which was always easy. And some sets will just cater. And if you tell them in advance that you have allergies, they will obviously accommodate for you. Speaking of lunch, the crew is always the first to eat, but the PAs are the last of the crew to eat. So just get in line behind them and then background and then actors. And then the rule is that everyone gets 30 to 45 minutes. I've had both before on a set, so the time varies. Everyone gets 30 to 45 minutes to eat from the moment the last person gets their food. Another thing that helped me succeed a lot on my first film set was just being very observant. Most of the things I learned was by watching other people, but don't be like annoying observant, like do it from afar unless people need you. Being observant will also help teach you the anticipation of others um, and what they need. And once you get that down, you're flying. One of the most important parts of being a PA is, and probably the hardest, is being able to know when someone needs something and already being able to say it's done. Or having a water always on hand and not having to go and grab one and run when someone says they need one. So for example, the AD is gonna come over to you and be like, hey, can you get the production office cleaned up? We're almost done shooting. And you can be like, it's done. And they'll be like, damn, you know what you're doing. Or if the AD is like, hey, we need more sides printed out, you can say, already done, like just stuff like that. And all this stuff, it sounds overwhelming, but once you really get into the rhythm of it and you know who you're working with and you know the vibe of the set, it's so easy, I promise. This one's a little upsetting, I know, but 
don't really talk to the actors unless you're talked to first, especially if they're more known. I mean, a lot of them are so unbelievably nice and will approach you and talk to you and thank you for being there. But some of them are little divas and don't want to be talked to by others. <laughs> so yeah, so don't talk unless you're talked to. Also, this is a tip if you're gonna... This is a tip if you're going into hair and makeup, whether you're head hair and makeup or you're gonna be an assistant. When actors are getting their hair and makeup done, it's their time to get into character and ground themselves and really figure out what they're doing for the day. And most of them don't really wanna talk when they're doing that. So, and you can't really get into character if someone's chatting your ear off. I learned this from the makeup and hair artist on set in Mississippi. She said, I don't really start conversations with the people I'm working on unless they do because I just really wanna let them do their thing and get into character and I don't wanna be annoying. And I was like, that's actually a really good piece of advice. If there is anything you take away from this podcast today, it's the number one rule of being a PA is you do not sit down, never sit down. Even if you're waiting around for a shot to be set up, try to like lean against a wall or something. Not never, but try not to because there's always something to do even if you think there's not. People that are higher up on set are going to notice what you're doing with your idle time. And it could be a total game changer if you're making stuff to do for yourself rather than sitting around doing nothing. Or make something to do for yourself, you know? Like even if you don't need any more sides printed out, print out some sides, make it look like you're doing something. Because people are gonna notice that stuff. Cleaning up stuff. If you're unsure of what to do, ask the AD. They're always looking for someone to help to do things. One of the sets I worked on, every time I looked at the PAs, they were sitting and the producers started getting very mad. They were like, why are they always sitting? Why are they always never doing anything? Blah, 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 blah. For most of them, it was their first time PAing, but um, just always make it look like you're doing something. Because even though, because you want to be known as the PA that's always getting shit done because then you could be recommended for other jobs and then work your way up. So pro tip, if you do want to break or take some time to yourself or you want to sit, because your first day on a set can be a real punch in the face. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, it's very overwhelming. Go to the bathroom and take a break. Take a minute in there, but not too long. Don't be weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you need to sit or do anything, just chill out in the bathroom for a minute. Don't do it where people can see you. So my first time on a set, I had no idea how a set was run at all. Like I said, I wasn't really involved much in college. So most of the stuff I learned was on this set for the first time. And I had no idea how much work went into shooting a singular scene. Even if everything is planned out beforehand, it still takes a lot of time and work. And it just makes you appreciate watching things even more. And after that, my family and friends don't really like to watch anything with me because I'm always like, ew. For example, I spent all day on a singular scene um, on one of the sets I worked on, um, probably a good eight, nine hours because there were a bunch of people in the scene and there were a bunch of setups that we needed and it was long. So on that, we did like a master, a wide, medium shots, close-ups, two shots, depending on what characters were staying next to each other and when and what reaction shots we wanted. And for every single setup, you do like three or four takes. So it's a lot of tedious work. So I think the last thing I'll say is remember that everyone, everyone on a set has worked a first day before. So everyone knows what you're going through. And if you need help, just ask. Do not be afraid to ask. And if you wanna learn more, most people on a set are more than eager to give you some insight of what they know and what they've learned along the way. And you'll know the people you can and can't ask by <laughs> observing. But yeah, everyone 
is always eager to help you. Don't worry about feeling lost because we've all been there. Also, never forget how important a production assistant is to a set. In my opinion, I believe there's no one on a set who is any less or more important because the PAs do all the dirty work and if there were no PAs, no one would be doing that dirty work. So you're important. So don't for a second think that you're just there to be there. Your first time on a professional film set is something that is truly, truly unforgettable, especially if it's something that you've wanted to do your entire life. I can honestly recall almost every detail of the first shoot I was on because I was just so excited to be there. I was getting up at the crack of dawn like 5 a.m. most days every day just to go into the city and I didn't even care because I was just so excited to go and get to work. It's like suddenly something I had dreamt of my whole life was happening and you feel like life is coming at you a million miles a minute because sets work a million miles a minute. But if you feel overwhelmed, take a minute, take a deep breath and remember how freaking excited seven-year-old you would be and enjoy it. Seriously, just enjoy it. Don't take it too seriously. It's supposed to be fun. Film sets are supposed to be fun. I can't wait for any of you listening who haven't been on a set for the first time. I wish I could wipe my memory and do it again. I really do. This was the second episode of the Feminist Film Club podcast hosted by Megan Mealy. Thank you so much for tuning in. I seriously, seriously, really appreciate it. And as always, happy movie watching.